an elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Hey guys, Richard here. I got a nice bonus episode for you this week. It's not one of our episodes from Pockets, it's an episode from another podcast called Michael and Jeremy Steal Your Podcast. And they are basically a podcast parody podcast where they take someone's podcast and they do an episode of it. And they've been doing all sorts of episodes. They do it every Monday. I made a little guest appearance on this and I think it was pretty well done. A pretty good private dick steal. I hope you enjoy that, and we'll be back next week with a crazy story that our friend from Australia brings us. I think you might know it. All right, Jeremy. Yeah, so this is what we do now. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a big switch. We just, we just solve mysteries. I've always been a Humphrey Bogart fan. I know, he's so classy. I've already got my, well, I'm drinking beer. Do you think we're going to get like some sexy lady in a red dress that's coming here with some, so her husband's cheating on her? Well, then if I, if it does happen, then I can tip my fedora ever so gently. I still, I'm glad we bought the fedoras. It was a nice touch. Absolutely. Hello, uh, is this place open? Yeah, uh, you know what? I think we are. What can we do for you? Hello, um... Mike, I thought we just helped hot chicks in red dresses. No. Go ahead, sir. I, uh, I I just, uh, I like the signs, look nice out there, and I own myself a private detective agency. In fact, I used to, and that's why I'm here. Uh Uh-huh. This guy's trying to steal our secrets, Mike. Tell us more. I, I basically, like, I I used to have a detective agency, then it it was a podcast, and... Uh, we have friends, and my friends are gone. I can't find my friends, and now I'm, I'm looking around for my my office. Office gone. Podcast doesn't even. You can't find it anywhere. And I see you guys pop up in the neighborhood. Uh, Michael and Jeremy steal a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a coincidence. Crazy coincidence. Exactly. It's a weird coincidence. I don't know what to say. Jeremy didn't uh, change the name of the sign. <laughs> I didn't know what business we were uh, uh, well, uh, well, let's see. The Number one, do, do you have any evidence? Do you have any clues? I'll tell um, you what, we can find them for sure. Abs- absolutely. Mike, I think we should just dive head deep into this. We'll just solve this. It'll be a never-ending case. Okay. Here's the clues that I have. There's uh, there's cough syrup. A lot of co- empty cough syrup things left where, where I left the office. And well, those were already beer. there. I mean, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, there's. It smells weird where I left off too. Kind of smells like in here. Like, what kind of incense do you guys use? Whatever that is, it's the same kind of incense. <coughs> oh, you're coughing, are you? Uh, Mike, interesting. Hide, Mike, hide the pot. Fuck. Um, yeah, nope. it's incense. No, if this we just moved into the. We actually this the 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 landlord is going to be on that very soon. This is how it smelled when we moved in. Uh, after uh, when was your podcast gone missing? Uh, since. 8.36 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, we moved in here at 6.30, you know, a couple hours mm. before. So, just, uh, you know, what, just we what a crazy We'll definitely find it. We'll we, definitely find it. Yes, get, hand over yeah. all of your evidence and clues, and we'll get right on it. Here they are. Here's It's the bag of uh, 
beer cans. And uh, hopefully, do you guys have any? Like, how much do I have to pay you? What's the price for something? Oh, like we'll, this? Do, we'll do it. We'll do it for free. Absolutely free. Huh. Unless we catch the um, guys who did it. Yeah, if you do, you gotta you gotta let me know because I want to give them a walloping. That's my life. The message. Yeah. With. I'd I'd wallop him too. I mean, I could see you. You you definitely have several guns on you. So dirty, dirty rotten skin. This guy's Canadian. He doesn't have any guns. Those are water guns, Mike. <laughs> are they water guns? <laughs> Silly string. <laughs> I came to Florida and I just figured, hey, when in Rome, you know, buy as many guns as you can. So that's not a bad idea. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, seventeen. So we'll guns. take we'll take we'll take your. Yep, yeah, you look very. You looks looks heavy. Actually, can, actually, we might need a couple of those guns to track these guys down. Sure, they're cheap here. You can have as many as you want. What? Which one do you want? Uh, can I have the purple one? Hmm. My favorite one. Oh, I don't. I don't want to take your favorite. I want it. I'll take the purple one. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. I got three purple ones. I just. Oh well, then I'll take the second purple one. Perfect. Now we all have purple guns. Yay, let's shoot. Should we do the thing we should do and just shoot the ball into the air? Yeah, right now, right inside your new shop. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah. Well, we've locked in the deal. We've, we've fired our weapons indoors, and uh, I, think, I think we have a deal. Wait, in the bag that you handed over, there's a weird letter in this. What is this letter? Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't put it there. That's really random that that's there. I don't even know how to write, so... Let me read this real quick. Well, Mike, I found Jeremy. My pack of Starburst is in this bag too. What? 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 What, Jeremy, what do you got there, Jeremy? Uh, excuse us for one moment, sir. Jeremy, this this note says Michael and Jeremy. I know what you did. Oh no! Do you think this guy wrote it? And it's it's written re- in really poor grammar. Oh, that it can't be this guy. What's the note say, guys? We have another. It's a shopping mm, list. Is there's a second mystery now? Okay. It says it's signed the Circleville letter writer guy. Huh. He put circle. In. Let me see that. That can't be right. <laughs> that's what it says. Oh my god! That's what he wrote. That's what he signs his name as. Yes. Huh. This guy sounds circle like an idiot. writer guy. <laughs> I, I think he sounds pretty smart. He can write. Michael and Jeremy are on the case. Biddly, 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 biddly. Welcome to Michael and Jeremy's Still Your Podcast, where we do your podcast better, faster, stronger, and hornier. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I have a mystery. We have a mystery we to have, solve. Dude, we stole a mystery. We stole a mystery podcast, podcast. and therefore also a mystery. <laughs> it, it, it just kind of happened. It all came together. So, the mystery, Jeremy. The Circleville Letter Writer Guy, as he's known in the news. Is that his official title? Yeah. I don't believe you. That's <laughs> exactly what it is. <laughs> I don't believe the you. The Circleville writer man. The writer man. The writer guy. All right. Allegedly. The the the, 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 the gender was never officially known, but they they for whatever reason they called it a man, which we'll get into it, but the one of the things is the letter writer also would talk about how they were the uh a boyfriend of this lady. Which leads people to believe that it's the opposite. <laughs> that it's a lady, <laughs> not a man. All right. Well, hit me with it. All Let's... right. So just to kind of give you an understanding. So the Circleville letters. So Circleville is a town in Ohio. 
uh, go Cincinnati Melonheads, right? <laughs> um, a man named Daniel Dresbach founded the community of Circleville along the Scioto River in 1810. The town received its name from a circular earthworks that the Hopewell culture of pre-contact American Indians had constructed in the area, although urban development has destroyed many of these original mounds. <laughs> so they call themselves Circleville because they're circles yeah. in town? It's very clever. And they don't even have those circles anymore. They've been dis- disrupted by humanity. <laughs> there used to be circles here. This is why it's called Circleville. Right. All right. Uh, the city itself is best known as the the host of the Circleville Pumpkin Show. <laughs> so there's not a lot of going on in Circleville. They've been doing that since 1903, Jeremy. All right. Uh, pumpkins are not actually melons, Jeremy. Why are we talking about pumpkins? <laughs> However, they are related. <laughs> they both belong to the uh, the the cute. I even wrote it out phonetically so I could pronounce it. Cucurbitaceae. Cucurbitaceae family of the melon family. So this means that melons belong to the same category as cucumbers, watermelons, cantaloupes, honeydews, and limes. What does that have to do with the Circleville letter writer? It's information we need, Jeremy. Oh, okay. <laughs> we need to know everything about this Circleville okay, so, and pumpkins. So pumpkins and melons are related. Yes, they are related. So go Cincinnati Melonheads. All right, anyway, so these letters started popping up, Jeremy, in like 1976, okay? Sick. And this continued on. This person, this individual, was writing these letters to these townsfolk for for like 20 years, okay? 20 years this person was just writing these crazy letters. And when I mean crazy letter letters... They were always post. They were postmarked. That's not crazy. They were postmarked from Columbus. <laughs> That's not crazy. <laughs> Wild. The craziest thing about this whole story, besides pumpkins and it, melons, and being it never included. included a return address. Uh, and the crazy part about these letters, Jeremy, is that they were all containing threatening information in regards to the people who the letter was going to. So who, who, whoever was writing these letters was like stalking the people of the town, finding out their deepest, darkest secrets. This one person was stalking everybody in town. Now, and there's there's a there's a theory that it's some some people believe that it's one person, some people believe that it's several people, but really it comes down to by the by, after it's all said and done, it's pretty discerning. That it's one person. Based on all the evidence over 20 years, it's, it's yeah, one it person sounds, writing that's, these letters. That sounds to me, right, that it would be multiple people, probably teenagers, who have dirt on people because they live in the town. So the, so the letter would go out to the person saying, I know what you did. Right. And... I'm going to tell everybody about it. And then he would. And the, the letters would go to the police. They would go to public officials in the town. What, what kind of stuff did they these people do? Um, well, well, we'll eventually get to what I would consider to be the kind of main person who is mostly affected by these letters. Okay. And her name is Mary Gillespie. Wait, why do I know that name? I don't know. I have a, there's something in my brain that makes me think of uh, uh, Mean Girls for some reason. I don't know. That name sounds familiar to me. Maybe I've just heard that name being referenced and people who were around in that time knew that story. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that name, like someone making a joke, like like Mary Gillespie. Yeah. And then everyone laughs. That's the image I have in my head. I wonder. Tell me more. All right. So, yeah. So the, like you said, Mary Gillespie. Uh, she was a bus driver, like a school bus driver. And the writer, the Circleville letter writer man, would send her letters about a, an alleged affair she was having with the school superintendent, Gordon Massey. Okay? She was having an affair. That's what the letter said. She swears up and down that she was not having an affair with this guy. 
she she swears by it that she was not having an affair with him. And so she has oh god. <laughs> I'm assuming Why this are is- you showing me an old a picture of Mary Gillespie? <laughs> I'm assuming this is her now. I don't know. Then is this the one who had the affair? I don't know. She- <laughs> <laughs> right. She's very elderly. I think she wrote the letters. So I'm looking at this picture. <laughs> it was me the whole time. All right. Um so let me go ahead and Oh wow! Mm. If that yeah, she's actually pretty pretty attractive. Yeah, I'd have an affair with that too. What's up? Okay, so this is what the kind of letter looks like, and I got it pulled up for you here, Jeremy. I don't know how to make it bigger. Stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about knowing him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know that you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified, and everything will be everything will be over soon. So these are the kind of letters and the, these weird block handwriting. So right. like it's not normal. These this person's obviously uh, hiding their handwriting style by writing in these big block letters. And so this is what she gets. Right, Ron is her, her husband. He also started receiving letters about his wife being in an affair and that. The letters were telling him that he needed to murder her. What? Because of uh, because of the terrible affair she's having. You need to murder your own wife. Take care of the bitch. So so the letters were in the mailbox, and yeah. one had his name on it, and one had her name on it. I doubt they were received at the same exact time, but they both received letters to their home, addressed to them. And uh, do yeah. you know how psychotic? I would be if I got a letter that was like, I've been observing your house. I know you have, you know, this many dogs or whatever. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be so fucking paranoid, dude. That's this, this with this town. Cause like I said, over the span of 20 years, there was about a thousand of these letters that went out just to the people of this town. I'd be going out nowhere else. (laughs) Dude, I'd be going outside and giving my dog the kill order and she'd be losing her mind. And run around barking. I'd patrol my house with a shotgun. <laughs> after after a few years, would you just be like, "Hey, what's your letters say?" <laughs> I got mine yesterday. <laughs> hey, this guy really doesn't have a life, huh? <laughs> so sometimes I just jerk off in the window. All this, all this observing. He didn't know we were swingers. <laughs> but okay, so some of the letters that he started to get to, like Ron started to get, eventually were threatening to the point where he said, if he tries to do anything, like he'll, like he's going to end up dead. So is, now death is so involved. So they're threatening him if he doesn't murder his wife. Yeah, if he, if he doesn't him. do if he doesn't do anything about it, you know, or or if he tries to, you know, come after the the letter writer man, then he's, you know, he's going to end up dead. So what happens, Jeremy? He gets a mysterious phone call one night, supposedly from the letter writer man. Okay, the Circleville man writer, and he gets this phone call and he's real mad about it. He's really upset. He's like, I know who this is. I'm going to go fucking kill them. And he grabbed his gun, got in his truck, and What's drove going away. on with everyone in Circleville? <laughs> I'm killing him. I'm pretty sure it's this guy. Right. Instant death. <laughs> fucking <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> he wants me to murder her. I'm going to murder him. <laughs> fucking Gary. <laughs> so he, he goes out into his truck with his gun. And guess what, Jeremy? Motherfucker ends up dead. His truck was found, like, crushed after he'd been driven off of the road and into, like, a tree. And he was he was found and pronounced dead. The gun that he had had one shot fired out of it. Interesting. So was he shooting at the person? And was he run off the road? The police deemed everything as an accident. Now, he was never considered to be, like, a drinker. 
but his blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit when they when they did the autopsy. But he wasn't a drinker. But he wasn't a drinker. And if he was, he hit it very well. Well, it might explain why he grabbed his shotgun and decided I'm gonna go kill Gary down the road. It was a revolver. Yeah, he grabbed his he grabbed his gun and was like, I'm gonna go kill Gary. Yeah. He got shit faced and was like, I'm gonna go murder Gary. Well, I mean, wouldn't you wanna have a couple drinks in your system if you think you're gonna go out there and kill a man? Well, now he's paranoid. He thinks his wife's having an affair. Yeah. And we saw she was a lovely lady. Mm-hmm. And he's this guy's watching his house. He's paranoid as fuck. He probably wasn't known as a drinker, but he probably started drinking. I believe that. Yeah, so the, the police ruled the event as a drunk driving incident, and they continued on being bad at their jobs, is what I wrote down. <laughs> we, we take notes in a very similar fashion. I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. All right, so the letters kept... The letters kept on a coming. <laughs> so even shouting at the local sheriff for, for covering up the death of Ron. So the letter writer was like, you guys are fucking covering up Ron's death. Wait, so the, the yes! letter writer wants it blown wide open, too. Yes! So maybe it was, I don't, did he, maybe so, maybe it is multiple people. Maybe the letter writer's the good guy. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it, based on doubt the it. rest <laughs> of the story. It gets really bad, Jim. I read it last night. <laughs> I went down to a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I'm solving this as we go, all right? Yeah, absolutely. This is the plan. Um, so not long after Ron's death, Mary came out with that she started having an affair with Gordon Massey, the superintendent, after the death of her husband. So... So she was already having an affair with him. See, that's what I think, too. I think she was already boning the dude, but she was just like, no, I don't want to be doubted as some sort of... Person of low character? Person of low character? (laughs) (laughs) Harlot? Harlot? (laughs) So she didn't want to be like a whore. She didn't want to be coined a whore in this tiny little town. But everyone in the town knows that the note was accusing her of having this affair. The the letter writer man's writing letters to everybody about, uh, talking shit about everybody. So he'll write letters to you about what you're doing, and then he'll write letters to other people telling them about what what they think you're doing or know that you're, you know, quote unquote, know what you're doing. All right, so... Now, this is where the police start to kind of get some leads. Um, it took uh, a very strange incident involving Mary Gillespie. This, th- at this point, we're in 1983. These letters started in 1976. Um, there was a sign posted up in regards to Mary's daughter, Mary Gillespie. So her daughter, there was a sign posted along her bus route when she's trying to go pick up some kids. There's a sign on the side of the road talking about Mary's daughter, and it's a very vulgar and inappropriate stuff, like really bad like things. Like what? Quote it. I, it's v- not verbatim. They, they didn't include it. Oh, man. I'm Let's sure make she, something up. I'm sure, well, what do you think it said? About a child? What, what time period? What, what year? Like 1976? 83. 83. All right. Give so, me, give so me 19, a, what, what a what? shitty kid you have. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> not good at learning. And what happens? She pulls over on the side of the road, right, to, to get the sign. She finds out that the sign is linked by a rope. To a box, and I've seen, I've read, I've read one story where she kind of figures it out there on the spot, and then I read another story where she actually takes it to the police immediately. But the thing is, when you carefully open the box, and uh, they opened it in a way where it didn't set off the gun that was set to fire, pull out and fire. So it was a straight up booby trap by this sign to kill Mary Gillespie. Wow. Yeah. So uh, the gun. The serial number had been filed off, at least attempted to be filed off, 
forensics were able to do whatever it is that, you know, they use their science, mm-hmm. their science minds. They to, lick it. They, yeah, lick they, the they licked it. Oh, it tastes like a four. <laughs> they, they do braille reading with their tongue. <laughs> bring in, bring in the Hanson. <laughs> this is a job for Hanson. Hanson the hands. <laughs> Touch it with your special hands, Hanson. <laughs> He's a world traveling forensic. He's blind. <laughs> it's, it's like Matt Murdock, just kind of just like, oh, that's a four. That's a four. It used to be a seven. Anyway, so they, they get the the fucking number off the gun and they know who it belongs to right ron's brother-in-law who was also sleeping with mary Gillespie. no <laughs> so this is paul P- paul F- it's either fresh hour or fresh or like f-r-e-s-h-o-u-r like fresh hour fresh hour yeah, yeah like rush hour yep <laughs> anyway so he determined the seal number was uh, belonged to uh, uh, Ron's brother-in-law, Paul. Paul was a pre- he's a pretty nice guy, and when police spoke with him, he said that the gun was his, but it had been stolen shortly before, about a month before that gun was stolen. He didn't re- he didn't uh, talk to the police. He didn't register it as being stolen. Did Paul live in Circleville as yeah. well? He lives in the same town? Yes, he does. All right. Yeah, they eventually send him to trial for attempted murder, right? And he's holding fast that he did not set this trap, but he did fail the lie detector test, the polygraph, when he was being asked about stuff involving the booby trap. Mm-hmm. He had he had failed it. Now, me, when it comes to polygraphs, I don't think they're hundred percent, but it's just a, it's just an extra bit of it's an extra bit of evidence. It helps push the case towards the, you know what we're what we're trying to find out here today. So he was. The day that the booby trap was found, he was not at work. He took that day off. He claims that he took the day off because he was doing some renovations to his house, which he was. But he claimed that he had taken that day off because there was some work being done. So that's his alibi, sort of. Um, people still thought it was kind of wibbly-wobbly. Um, there is no prints on the gun, so they couldn't pull any prints off of it to confirm that he had used his greasy man fingers on the gun. Now, Paul... Paul was a very intelligent person. He had a master's degree. He worked at uh, Anheuser-Busch. He was a manager. <laughs> People who have been studying these letters show that uh, wh- whomever is writing these letters just has a lower intelligence than some people, or they're portraying a lower intelligence. It's very difficult to tell, but the letters are not written. They're crude. Yeah, they're crudely written. Absolutely. My, I mean, my exact note was uh, they seem to have been written by a person who was bad at writing. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, this motherfucker was convicted yeah. of the attempted murder. Not of writing the letters, but just, just of for the booby just trap. just for the booby trap. He was convicted. They gave him the max sentence of like it was like seven to twenty five years. He served ten. His brother was being cheated on and then he died in a crash, <sighs> and then she started fucking the guy out loud that she was accused of. So I mean, I'd say that's kind of motive. Now everyone was expecting because because he was convicted. Of, of the attempted murder of Mary, that the letters were going to stop. But they didn't, Jeremy. The letters kept going. And the sheriff still said, well, he's somehow getting up, he's smuggling me out of prison. And then the warden's like, no, that's impossible. We have him in <laughs> solitary. He doesn't have paper. He doesn't have pencils. He doesn't have access of getting anything out of there. Like it's, He's like, impossible, 100% impossible that he could be writing these letters. <laughs> he also started receiving the letters in prison from the Circleville letter writer man. Wow. Yeah. So he started receiving letters. Let me read that one, Jeremy. This is wild. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, it's pretty wild. All right. So this one says, fresh hour. 
Now, when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there? I told you two years ago. When we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all? No one wants you out. No one. The joke is on you. Ha. Ha. <laughs> Tell no one of this. Letter. I saw the paper. Great news. Great. <laughs> Great news. Great. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. People the sheriff me. loved it. Ha. ha. <laughs> Do you believe it now? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, Be- sad was a sad, Ugh, gross. Anyway, so that's the letter that that he received while in prison, and he t- just the whole time. I didn't fucking do this. I didn't write these letters. I didn't try to kill Mary. It thickens more, Jeremy. Paul was estranged from his wife, Karen Sue. Yes, Karen. There's a Karen in the Sue. picture now. Karen Sue Freshour. So she. Starts to become a person of interest. So they were separated. Um, he got custody of the kids. He got mm. a much better financial situation out of the divorce. You know, she's a little bit of a bitch. So he got a much better situation coming out of the divorce, like I said. She is the one who was telling the police when he was being investigated that she found some letters. She was labeling him to the police as the Circleville Letter Writer Man. Because she found these letters. She found one in the commode, as it said. Hmm. And she found some hidden in the bedroom. Now, these letters were never, ever seen. She never presented these letters to the police, but she just said that she saw them. Oh, she's trying to get her kids back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, even during the case with Paul, writing experts, some, some of the writing experts said that they thought it was him. Some of them said that they didn't think it was him. And then some some speculated that it could be several people. Um, now, e- new evidence suggests that it was a single writer. Up until recently, uh, there was somebody. This was this is fairly re- within the last like several years. Uh, there was another writing expert that took a look at it and saying like the sixes look like G's, and that actually could possibly link it to Paul because he did some similar stuff with his G's. But that's the closest it's ever come to trying to put him to the murders or to the letters. But again, the letters kept going. He wasn't writing them, and he was even receiving them in prison. Um, Unsolved Mysteries actually wanted to cover the case while it was actively happening. This was back in the, uh, uh, I forget what year, but uh, they they started to cover, and then Unsolved Mysteries got a letter from the Circleville Letter Writer Man saying to not come, don't fucking cover this shit, you weird psycho people. It's just someone on the crew of Unsolved Mysteries wrote a letter. So they could promote the episode. Wait, that one's. Oh, this is it. Okay, so this is the letter that that they had written to uh, Unsolved Mysteries. It says, "Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you L sickos will pay." The Circleville letter writer man. It says the Circleville writer man. It doesn't say man or letter. person or guy or dude. <laughs> so the Circleville letter writer man still writing letters. Now the letters eventually stopped in 1994. The moment that Paul got out of prison. When Paul got out, the letter stopped. From 1976 to 1994. Just under 20 years. Wow. This is the thing. If, if it, I don't think it was him. Because if anything, the moment he gets out of prison, there's going to be more. He, he wrote letters the whole time he was in prison. You know, why would he stop writing? He's been doing it for almost 20 years. Why would he stop? Yeah. Now, this is the thing. If he finally spends 10 years in prison, he's like, you know what? I'm done writing these dumb, stupid letters. My hand hurts. <laughs> I don't want to write these dumb letters anymore. There's no way. They'd definitely be able to tell if how he was getting... They'd have people watching him all yeah. the time. Yeah, he's, he was in solitary. 
The the warden says impossible. No one in this town was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna steady watch my mailbox. No, they were sent by the mailman. They even tried to get they got the USPS involved, they got the like postal service involved on trying to catch who's like sending these letters. There's no return address and they're always coming from Columbus, Ohio. Um they they actually uh uh, the FBI didn't really want anything to do with it. The FBI didn't want to touch this case. They just said it was like small potatoes, I guess. You know, oh, he's ta- he's talking to people with lighter. You know, that's a God given right. Write letters to people. <laughs> unless you killed Paul, or uh, he's supporting the postal of, service. Unless you killed that's Ron. an American establishment. <laughs> <laughs> so going into this, Karen. So Paul, he was estranged from his wife, Karen, and then she found those letters. She didn't keep them. Uh, she was always immediate to incriminate Paul at every turn. Um, Paul was like early in the investigation, gave full searching rights to the police. They search my house, search my car, do whatever it is you need to do. He was very open with having them search everything when they didn't find anything. So I don't know if that's because he knew that he was really good at hiding stuff or he was in fact innocent and he's like, there's nothing here for you to find. But even in that point, I'd be kind of worried that something got planted in all honesty. Like, I wouldn't be so nonchalant to be like, go ahead and look, find the incriminating evidence that I don't know is there. Yeah, if this person was smart enough to steal my gun a month before he did this mm-hmm. shit and all that. Also, the box that contained the gun in the booby trap was a a tin box that was easily found uh, at Anheuser Bush, the place that he works. So that type of tin box was it was it may have been used to ship some sort of product to the to the warehouse. Yeah, and so that type of tin box was everywhere. At the end, uh, where he worked, so he 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 had access to that type of tin box. So if he was set up, they did a really fucking good job setting him up. Um, later, is that town? <clears throat> he you said he was the head of Anheuser Busch. He was a manager. Some manager. I wonder if this sounds like a small town. It is. <clears throat> I wonder if that's most of the jobs towns that are built around like a, a plant, big plant. Yeah, like everyone. There's a Georgia Pacific uh, paper plant. Mm-hmm. They built towns and stuff around paper plants. And that's all the families, all the husbands work there. Yeah. You know? Right. The towns are actually pretty cool. If you've ever been to one. No. Like a big, huge paper plant. I mean, not for long. Uh, I did a, I built a roof on a Georgia Pacific. And uh, yeah, everyone's family worked at that place. They all knew each other. There was one restaurant. There was one gas station. And everyone had huge plots of land with really nice houses. Oh, wow. Everyone at the, when we would pull up to the plant, all the cars in the parking lot were nice. Like nice trucks and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, hazelnut farms everywhere. And like everyone was super cool. They're yeah. happy. That's awesome. But that's Let's the see. thing. Everyone knows each other in those small towns. There's, they all work together, know each other somehow. Right. Yeah, it's very tight knit. And yeah. this 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 city was, or this town was was very much like that. So everyone knew each other, which is why this was very tough for everyone to get all these letters because everyone knows what the letters are. T- everyone knows who each letter is talking about. They know that person. <laughs> all right. So later... While Paul was in prison, there was another bus driver decided that they were gonna they were gonna finally give some information based on this this booby trap thing, right? So while he was in prison, there was another bus driver that claims that when she drove past there earlier, where the sign was found, she said that there was a gentleman who, upon seeing the this bus start to drive by, began to uh, like go to the bathroom. He started either actually urinating or pretending to urinate, perhaps to cause anyone to look at him to look away. And he was standing next to an El Camino. Okay. Now the description of this man did not match Paul. You know, Paul had very dark hair. This dude has like Sandy lighter colored hair. I think there was a big height difference, things like that. Now she sit, she did say that that description matched the new boy toy 
of Karen, the estranged wife of Paul. And Karen's brother also drove an El Camino. Interesting. Yeah. What's this guy's name? The boy toy? Yeah. I just call him boy toy. Yeah, dude. That's that's pretty interesting because it sounds like they had money, right? These families? This family? Um, I actually don't know if they were well off or not. You said he had a better financial situation. This other guy's a manager. I mean, he's a manager at Anzer Bush. Anzer Bush makes a lot of money. Well, I think fucking boy toy, if these guys have any type, any type of money, Karen's trying to find a way to get her kids and all that money and house and all that stuff back. Yeah. Fucking start driving. But that's a lot of fucking commitment to do it for 20 years. I mean, if you got what you... Unless... And remember, these letters started well, be- like years before Ron... Mary and Ron. Um, you know, um, and then the uh, and then the attempted murder was uh, about five years before after the letters even started. And during that time, a lot of letters went out. Like I said, there was about a thousand letters confirmed that went out in this almost 20 year time span to these people in this town. Why did Karen lose her divorce? I don't know why they got divorced. And why'd she lose the kids and everything? Oh, probably because she was a bitch. Well, I mean, people say that. But usually there's a reason, especially in that time, for the guy to get the kids and all that. It's got to be a pretty good gig. Right. Compared to what getting, she's... Getting custody as a man Usually, the yeah. Kids. Usually they'd have to be like a drug addict or just completely... Pro- have, proven to be inept. not mentally... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not mentally stable, something like that. Right. What if what if the Circleville letter writer man was like also writing to the McDonald's? You guys choose too many pickles. <laughs> I don't like so many pickles on my sandwich. I told you no mustard. <laughs> he writes a letter to McDonald's. I told you no mustard. Your wife's cheating on you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it is I, Future Michael, here to tell you about Dungeon Studios, our sponsor. Huzzah! Do you want to go have fun with your friends or strangers, but don't want to go to an orgy? Well, you could go to dungeonstudios.co and download some D&D modules. You can learn how to play D&D and run a campaign for those people. They don't know how to play? That's fine. You learn how to do it and get those bitches in with you. And then they can come up with these great characters and you can take them on these wonderful adventures that are already pre-written and ready to rumble. Ready to go. You don't even need to think about it. On that website's the Enron Chronicles. It's a webzine. Yeah, go to their Facebook page. They're always posting about funny D&D related things. Just, it's a fun thing to have in your feed. The Algorithm. Technology, D&D, get some math rocks, go throw them at the sky until they land on numbers that will allow you and your character to do amazing things. The song Sheep, which we use as our theme song, brought to you by the band Lydia Can't Breathe. Check them out. They're great. Good, goodbye. Another writing expert from the FBI, with this is like a, a retired person. This isn't the actual FBI being assigned the case. This is somebody that used to work at the FBI and then was able to take a look at these letters and kind of make like a new, you know, bright eye assessment of it all. And they said that they believed that it was most likely a female due to the number of grammatical errors. (laughs) 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 Their words, not mine. (laughs) Um, well, that kind of fits someone that might be not the best mom, right? Yeah. Maybe she's a total kook. Now, my understanding also is the kids, Paul and Karen's kids, I think they either got to choose 
or something like that. But the the son was more the son liked the mom more. Okay, and his name was Mark. So Mark, uh, the son, Paul supposedly had told a friend that he believed that he believed. And this was like not to the police. This was like to a friend, and then eventually the friend was like, Paul said this thing one time. And that's that's what makes me think it is one person. Yeah. Now I'm thinking it is one person for 20 years, for multiple people to keep it a secret. And people say that the handwriting's consistent enough. There's nothing in the handwriting for these letters that deviates enough for anyone to think that it's two different types of hands. You know. Someone fucking spills the beans, dude. Like it's definitely not Hanson, you know. Yeah. He's not writing the letters. No. He's solving crimes with his beautiful magic hands. Fingers, tongue. <laughs> Let me get a little taste of that. So uh, Paul Paul spoke with a friend, and the friend said that Paul had said that he believed that it was Mark, their son, that stole his gun, right? Oh. And then gave it to his mother to frame him. So we finally find out what Paul's, based on Paul, what his theory is. With what he knows, and he thinks that his son, his younger, his young son, stole the gun and then gave it to Karen um, to set up the booby trap and and then frame Paul. He was just not someone who was ever going to incriminate his own son. Maybe not. That, that even more interesting is if none of them are the letter writer at all, right? Right. They just are in this, and that very well could be true, Jerry. They're just using that yeah, to murder to, the person, right. And set up, yeah. They're like, let's send this guy to prison. So, what if the letter writer got what he wanted, and that was to pr- produce chaos? Like when you have these kind of letters, and you're sending them to all these people, and they say all these crazy fucking things, people start eating each other alive. You know, what if that was the goal? I mean, we say it's chaos. Maybe he thought he was doing a duty. Like, everyone should stop hiding and living these private lives. Like, you're all monsters. Yeah. And I'm going to tell the, everyone. Come, come out into the light, you monster. Yeah, I know you didn't return your shopping cart. Oh, now <laughs> you say you're fucking the dude that I said you were already fucking. I see how it is. <laughs> um, in 2002, Mark, the son, he was he was found dead. 22? Um, in 2002. Oh, 2002. Mark was discovered. He was he was found uh, dead floating in the Scioto River. Uh, he had a bullet wound in his head. Uh, Karen later said that he was suffering from depression real bad. Hmm. So is this the guilt of framing his dad and putting him in prison and not being able to live with it? That's what people seem to, you know, that's the conclusion. He grew up and realized his mom was shit. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, yeah, he took his own life. And then when Paul... After 10 years of being in prison, when he finally gets out, the letters are no more. Paul goes straight to the FBI to try and get like a full-blown investigation going because he's he's done his time for the thing he didn't commit, you know, in his own words. Uh, he didn't do this alleged thing, but he, he served his fucking time. He lost 10 years of his life and he wanted to go to the FBI to have them really dig and find out who was writing these letters. You know, the at this point, the booby trap thing, fucking over. It's, it's, it's over and done with. He was convicted of it. Blah, blah, blah. But he wants to find out who's been writing these fucking letters, right? And he goes to the FBI, and uh, yeah, so the FBI told him, "Fuck you, that's small potatoes." And then yeah, so that same person from the from the FBI who started looking, who retired from the FBI, so they have FBI brains in their heads. They are looking over these letters, and that's when they kind of say they believe that the letters was a woman, mostly because uh, in one of the letters it would said that they were the boyfriend of a of this lady, uh, which made them think that it was. A woman trying to make it so that way leads people to believe that they're not a woman. So a couple of different people for a couple different reasons think that a lady is writing these. And you know what? Maybe it was Mary Gillespie, dude. My first thought. Ladies love to gossip. Maybe it was the chick. She wanted her husband out of the picture. 
They love that hot goss. So is there any, what's the most recent, they haven't pointed anything? When I Googled it while we were sitting here, it was like 20, 2022, new information. Mm. We are by far not the first podcast to cover this story, Jeremy. There's some very big ones that have covered this story. Actually, being able to talk to some of these people <laughs> and really kind of break into it. So in the end, people really think that the booby trap was thought to have been a setup. Something that Paul and his super brains would most likely not have done to incriminate himself. So based on Paul's intellect, they just no one looking at this thinks that he would be stupid enough to use his own fucking gun. I think Paul's innocent. I'd go with that. So Paul's innocent. Yeah, I'd, roll, I'd, I'd at least put him at the bottom of the totem pole. Mark, is that's interesting. He sounded like kind of like a lady. He might have had ladies handwriting, you know. You think the son? Yeah. May have been setting up his own dad? I mean, Maybe he was upset that he got nineteen twenty two. He liked his mom a little bit more. Did you see nineteen twenty two? The is it a movie? Yeah, it's no. a Stephen King book. No, the dad convinces. Well, it's an old movie. It's older, so I can spoil it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the dad, the the mom has all this land from her dad dying, and it's right next to her husband's land. And she's like, "We're gonna sell this land and move to the city." And he's like, "Son, help me kill your mom, so we have all of the land." And he, the son does help him kill the oh, mom. Oh, shit. And it's also got horror stuff in it, too. Yeah. But uh, the son ends up pretty much losing it, and he runs away, and all this bad <laughs> shit happens. He starts robbing places and stealing shit, mm-hmm. and Bonnie and Clyden with his chick, and then they get bad shit happens to them. Oh. So Mark probably did all that stuff and was like, fuck, man. Why did I do that? I was just a child. <laughs> that's that would probably also explain the gra- the grammar. It's a young boy, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. He's not as learned as an older college educated man. He's probably psycho, a little psycho. They call it depression. He's probably a little fucked up. I'm curious to because it well, uh, I mean he he had taken his life in t- 2002, so there wouldn't be a correlation between the letter stopping in '94 and his suicide. So it's not like he. Because that would have been a big thing. Like if 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 Mark outed himself, he said "whoopsie boo boo bye bye," and then uh, the letter stopped. Then it would be like, "Oh, well, that's a pretty big coincidence." If you're Mark and your dad finally gets out of prison, why would that prompt you to stop doing the letters? And you you're continuing the letters the whole time. He's what in. if because he knows his dad's getting out of prison, he knows. And what what did what did Paul immediately do? He tries to go to the FBI to try and get the thing blown wide open. They said, "Fuck you." <laughs> But he, he, the, Mark may have known that Paul was going to ha- light a fire into someone's ass to try and find out who these letter writers were, and they would actually maybe find him at some point. And then he would, and then maybe he stopped, and then now he's not writing the letters anymore, Jeremy. So he has nothing to do. He has nothing to do. He's lost his ability to fucking fuck with people. It's been 20 years. This is the only thing he's done. Wait, so I wonder how old he was at the How old was? How old Mark would have been. In 1976. He was 39 when he killed himself. So he that was in 2002. Yeah, might have been a tween. Well, he, would have, he would have been born in 1963. 13? 76? So when the, yeah, 13 years old when the yeah. letters started, which may explain the weird, crappy grammar. And how he has all of this information. Yeah, and he's a kid. He's picking and, up this all this information from everyone at school. My mom's cheating on... This person, right? It's kids talking about what's kids going love on. hot goss too. Kids love hot goss. Oh my gosh! Oh, and then yeah, this makes so much sense now. <laughs> yeah, kids love hot goss, 
and he was spelling grammar error, fucking writing in block letters, like he probably learned. In right, the, he, he learned that S, you know, that cool S that we all drew. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's he's drawn. He's like, I've been inspired. He put the nautical star on everything. <laughs> yeah, fucking little Mark, dude. Yeah, little Marky. He's, Jeremy, I think we've he's crazy it. enough to fucking steal the gun for his mom, or that's that's theory. allegedly that's the theory, right? Well, not even allegedly, but uh, yeah, there's that was Mark or Paul, Paul. That was Paul, the dad, his own father's. That was his theory, and he's pretty close to that, you know. Well, he he probably knows his mom and his son better than anybody. Yeah, and he knows he's got that crazy bitch of a wife, ex-wife. With a boy toy. With a boy toy. And her brother's got that really dope-ass El Camino. And I mean, his his mom lost the divorce case, right? Which gives us kind of an idea of her character, right? I mean, is there a winner and a loser in a divorce case? Yeah, your kids are the prize. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> your kids are your, your treasure. That's everything yeah. you have is your kids. So yeah, you fight, you want your kid. Right. Usually people want to have their kids. I do. Um, right. Um, so her losing that case... Tells me a little bit about who she is, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not, you can't, it's not 100%, but you could take a stab at it. Uh-huh. Um, Do you think Karen was helping Mark write the letters? Well, so she said she found a bunch of them, right? <gasps> and she found them, right? And she found she them. She immediately in, thought it was Paul. And she found and them. And then in, she found it was her own son. She found out in place, they were in places. <gasps> think about the hiding oh my God. under the bed. Yeah, in the commode. In the, yeah, left one in the bathroom. Yeah, that's like totally a kid thing to do is leave shit in the bathroom. If Paul's doing it, he's going to fucking hide stuff in a safe or in a fucking place. Like, he'll have it. Oh, my God. And the booby trap was really shittily done. Yeah, and what a cartoonish idea of a booby trap. Right. Yeah, you just go open up the box and then the gun's like going to car- shoot him in the face. It's a cartoon booby trap. <laughs> I've been inspired. Well, no, Home Alone wasn't out yet. <laughs> and there, so that's the, and that's the brother, right, of Ron. Paul is Ron's brother. In law. In law. Yeah. So wait. His sister. So, Karen Karen Sue is is Ron's sister. Oh. So Ron's sister is the crazy bitch Karen. Yeah. And Ron died. Right. Because and he Because he How would they know about the cheating? He, Ron finds out it's his own fucking sister or or his nephew, and he's in his brain. He's not like fucking, I'm going to go kill my nephew. I'm going to like intimidate him with a gun. Be like, stop this fucking bullshit, right? So he's driving to go fuck with his nephew. Karen finds out, fucking runs him off of the road to protect her own son. From what gun? They don't, what from gun? Ron's gun. From Ron's gun. From Ron's gun. If, One shot was fired. If he was firing the casing at, was never found. If he was firing at somebody, he was probably firing at somebody with a gun. Someone who had and Mark recently already, acquired a and, gun. Yeah, Mark had already stolen the gun, To give to the mom. It's in to Paul's give to theory. the mom. Well, no, because the, the booby trap was found in 1983, and Ron had died. I actually don't remember what year uh, Ron's death was, but it was enough time for Mary and the superintendent to start the affair. Well, it, it, was probably it, it wasn't an on. affair at that point, because Ron was dead. Right. Well, it was already going on, and how would the killer know? Not the killer, but the letter writer yeah. know about that. Right. Unless it's, it's, it's his family. Yes. He's the kid. He knows that. He's hearing his parents talk about how his mom was probably like, yeah. That bitch is cheating on my brother with that person, and she's just screaming about it in the kitchen. And he's she's like, feeding all the hot goss to her son he's to write goss. these letters. She finds out that he's writing the letters. She tries to incriminate Paul because it's a two birds and one stone. You you protect your child, who's actually this writer, and then you feed him the correct stuff that he needs to cause more chaos in the lives that she probably deems are people that need to be fucked with and then you incriminate your shitty you know ex-husband that took everything and then get him go fucking frame him for prison and then hey i got the kids now i Makes think sense to me jeremy I don't, even, I don't even think that we like joke 
solved it. I think we actually solved the case. It's what it's, I mean, that's what makes sense to me. It had to have been a kid, right? And then he just kept doing that. Jeremy. For the writer to be one person and to be that obsessed with it, especially when they stopped, that was their whole life. Yeah. It was their purpose. So he probably killed himself because he was depressed. He yeah, he was, he was depressed because, he, yeah, he, he, he wasn't writing the letters anymore because he didn't want to go to jail for it. But at that point, that outlet that he was, you know, that was that was his that was his little hobby. Well, we did I, it. I, we we solved it, Jeremy. No need to look into the case any further, guys. Richard, <laughs> Richard, we solved it. It was the kid. He is the Circleville letter writer boy who writes like a girl. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> so says experts. <laughs> Their words, not ours. He was like, "Shitty grammar must be a lady." <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so it's just funny. Just a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> just a young boy. <laughs> I mean, in the 1970s, you know, into the 80s, you got young kids. They're writing magazines. You know, letters were like a fun way for kids to interact with things. And then you got a fucked up little kid who's wanting to do that, except to the people around him, and say weird, crazy things. And, oh, dude, think about, let's think, this just popped in my head. So why would he be sending all of everyone's, like I, I thought before, sending it to air out your shit? Mm-hmm. Everyone hides behind these lies, and I'm going to air all your shit out. Think about the crazy situation his parents getting divorced. And him probably knowing about the other couple cheating and the, all that stuff. That's going to fuck with his head. He's like, my parents would have got divorced if they just told the truth. Mm. If they just aired their shit out. Yeah. So he's just like, I'm going to air everybody's shit out. No more lies. Broken home can fuck up a lot of kids. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, it can. Well, we have, to, we have to find a way to build this back up. <laughs> it's so, it, feels, it feels sad now. All he was doing was sending letters and then people were reacting. Yeah. People were reacting and doing dumb shit. Well, we are Majizipod, M-J-S-Y-P-O-D, on all the things, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Majizipod.com. You can email the show at uh, U-H-J-Y-E-A-H at Majizipod.com. And if you have a podcast that you want us to steal, you can always use the hashtag, I put the money under the rock by 9595, the numbers. Jeremy loves it. <laughs> so long. It's long and No beautiful. one's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not changing it. I know. I know you I'm will. never going to change it. <laughs> um, if you are if you have a podcast and you want us to steal it, hit us up. You got our email. I, I fucking gave you all a phone number a few episodes back. <laughs> Use it. Whether it's your podcast, your friend's podcast, or your favorite podcast. we're, com- we're go- Hey, we're still working towards Joey Rogues, Jeremy. That's the end game. I just, I think it'd be cool. We're going to steal Joe Rogan's I'm just going to buy a cameo and have him say, you can steal my podcast. We should cameo. He's not on cameo. Wait, Jeremy, who do you think is on cameo? There's a lot. Do you think we could spend podcast money on cameos to have them talk about our show? Be like, we stole their podcast. <laughs> Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. Michael and Jeremy have stolen my epic podcast. Please don't. Philadelphia is a biopic. Biopic. <laughs> Regis Philbin. <laughs> Michael and Jabby, no, don't steal my podcast. Is he alive? No. Did he die? Yes. Oh, who took over the show? <gasps> he died at the same time the lid of... It was Regis Philbin. <laughs> it was Regis Philbin the whole time. <laughs> Damn it, Kelly. I bet she knew, too. I'm gonna fuck with these people. <laughs> Fuck you, Mary. <laughs> Cheating on your husband. 
All right, so we have been joined today by Richard, who has a podcast which we have stolen, which is Private Dicks. Yes, it so is. So tell, tell us about it. Tell us about the adventure through podcasting you've had with this show. Very nice to be on the show, by the way. I, I very much appreciate you guys stealing this. I love the idea for the show, and I have utmost respect for you guys going around stealing shit. So good job. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> We've gotten pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I heard that, you know. I didn't even have a clue it was you guys were stealing the podcast till the end, you know, till just now. I, I, I'm on a couple of podcasts. One of, one of those private dicks, which you guys stole. We, we just... We do what you guys just did, but just all the time. We just solve every crime that or mystery that's ever existed ever easily. You know, it takes about an hour, an hour and a half. People have been working on these for decades, and they just... I don't know why people can't figure this stuff out. It's not that hard. It just takes time to <laughs> yeah, get to them, you know? Yeah, you guys just bust them out. And I mean, like, guys, I'm pretty sure you've got medals from the city... You know, you've got investigators that are that are retiring early because they're so fed up with you guys solving all of their old cases. Yeah, no, we make them look foolish, and it's it's kind of sad, you know, in a, in a way because I don't like to take food out of children's mouths. But if your dad's not going to do the proper work, you know, if your mom doesn't know how to solve a crime, you should be fucking working there. <laughs> Go somewhere else. That's exactly my point as well that I've been making for years. If you can't do your job, don't do your job. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's what most people do, especially if you're a cop. From what I've been noticing by solving all these crimes is that you just go to yeah. work and collect a paycheck, you know? So, Like, I, I don't know how to conduct surgery. I'm never going to go into a hospital and try to conduct surgery on somebody. <laughs> I'd give it a whirl. Oh, you would? I mean, it depends on the situation. Just try it once. <laughs> Brain surgery can't be that hard. Um, it's like sitting in on a college class. <laughs> yeah. Just scoot over. <laughs> let, me get in, let me get in there. That's that's the that's just basically the the theme of the show. We just do an imp improv thing at the beginning. Then I go through the case. Uh, we highly scripted, highly edited uh, case, and then we just do like an outro where we solve it in our own fun f way. Usually ends up yeah. with like a where Dingo did it, or like uh, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Well, so where Dingoes are really cause are really uh, the cause of a lot of these problems. Yeah, for sure. Lycanthropy's running rampant. Wow. <laughs> I didn't I had no idea. Yeah. This is the jackrabbit. <laughs> the jackalope. So, yeah, jackalope. The jackalope. <laughs> yeah, it's it's me and uh me and two other Richards, that's why it's called Private Dicks, and we just met on Very the clear. internet through podcasting. And uh yeah, we have a good time doing it. I we're about fifty episodes in by the time this comes out, I'm I'm guessing. I think we're forty eight. And, I have to uh, edit this by Monday. <laughs> it's going out Monday. <laughs> so it'll be 48. That's it. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Yeah, so I, I'm like I said, I'm super pumped to be here. I guess on all sorts of podcasts, and this is one of the funnest ideas that I've been on, so I'm happy to... I have another podcast, too, that I'm not going to spoil. We'll do that one uh, another time, which will be fun. Ah, I'd I would I would love to. I'd love to. I'd love to get a twofer. Yeah. We'll get the girls. If I could steal multiple podcasts off one person, that's the dream, Jeremy. <laughs> that's the heist. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the fucking bank heist. Dude. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, this. The other ones with me and a bunch of girls, and they're uh, very funny and from all over the world. So it's an interesting one, and they'll they're more likely to come on <laughs> with me, not just me. They're more likely to come with all of us. <laughs> <laughs> nice an orgy i like it yes <laughs> yes really getting sexual fast <laughs> so where can people find your show anywhere you get podcasts um you can go to 
TikTok uh, on private dick talk and that we have our videos going up there for if you want to just watch what a clips. dangerous search mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh private dicks talk sorry d-i-x talk so it's not there's no ck so they didn't ban me x-x-x yeah tiktok is basically that eh? i bet you the people are just thinking it's like gonna be me trying to figure out clever ways to show my cock behind like a wall you know so uh it's it's not it was just it's a silhouette in the back of the room yeah, on the yeah. wall the whole time i've been seeing those <laughs> have you seen like the women what they'll do is they'll get these like see-through dresses and then they'll have a light behind them and then when they pan back and forth you'll see like their giant vagina lips just <laughs> dangling below their <laughs> their body yeah, no, that's what i'm saying i I've, i do stand up too I'm a, I'm a comic and i've been talking about a lot how there's no middle ground for porn anymore and then I got on TikTok and I'm like, oh, okay, it's the Cinemax now. TikTok's just Cinemax. Like, that's what it yeah. is for the kids. Um, Channel 88 for us. <laughs> where, do you, where do you do stand-up at? Uh, just Ontario. Like, not much around. I, where I live, the I live wilderness. in the middle of nowhere. I live, like... The wilderness. <laughs> he's, he says that, but I've done outdoor wilderness shows uh, often. I live in the middle of nowhere. I live, like, north Ontario, like, eight hours north of Ontario in a little place called Timmins. Uh, so the big city is four hours away. And, it, and when I say big city, I mean, it's like less than a hundred thousand. And then the like Toronto's like the big actual big scene. That's like eight, nine hours away. So we have homeless camps with more people <laughs> for sure. For sure. hundred percent. So, so as a Canadian, uh, Tim Hortons, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. For sure. You're pro, you're pro Tim Hortons. I love me some I Tim Hortons. I, I yeah. went one time and I didn't get the, the, what are they called? The donut holes. I didn't get the donuts. Donut Timbits. balls. I got a Timbits. Yeah, the Timbits. Timbits. Um, I didn't get those. I got a sandwich. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and then <laughs> what I was telling my brothers about, they're like, yeah, because you're supposed to get the Timbits. You, you idiot. You got a fucking tuna salad sandwich? <laughs> I got a. Why the fuck would you get ham, that from Tim Hortons? It's like a ham sandwich. It was all mayonnaise. I was like, what Jeremy, the they don't even sell this? that. They're just polite Canadians and they went and fucking got you one <laughs> from the gas station. Look at American. <laughs> we sell when donuts. I went to college, I went to college in Toronto and there's a dude from New York that came at the same college and he went to the fir- I brought him to the first time at Tim Hortons. He's like, this place is the best place. You can get donut holes. You can get sandwiches. You can get anything you want. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, it's good for like a coffee, but. But chill out on this is the best place ever. So I'm glad you experienced the sandwich. Yeah. Or hot cocoa. Yeah, I, I tried the sandwich. Yeah. I was like, it's too late. I don't want to eat a bunch of donuts. You get this <laughs> sandwich. It was all mayonnaise. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tim Hortons. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Richard. And we're really excited to have you. And we're just joyous. And yeah. our it's favorite, been great. Our favorite part about this is collaborating with people. We love working yeah. with people, making things. Yeah, we'll get you guys on Private Dicks for sure. And then you can bring back our podcast on that episode. Like you'd be like, here, Perfect. I brought it back. <laughs> and I'll be like, thanks. And then yeah, you can solve something. With we, we typically do, uh, you guys will sit in with the whole case and help us solve it kind of thing. If you want, it's like two hour experience. It's a little longer, but I'll get you on for sure. And we'll cross promo. It'll be awesome. We'll see what we can do, bud. That sounds good. Yeah. Just come by the office. Leave us, uh, leave us a note. We'll solve something for you if you need it. We'll just scribble our names on a piece of paper and shove it in that hat. Yeah. Oh, no. Not the solving hat. (laughs) 
We're going to shove it in the solving hat. God damn it. Except the slip, the slip of paper is going to be a different color than all the rest of them. It's purple. <laughs> it's got glitter on it. <laughs> it, it poofs confetti at you when you open it. That's fantastic. Um, all right, man. Well, it was nice talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice talking to you, too. Good to meet you. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see each other soon, I'm sure. All right. Jeremy, I love you. I love you, too, buddy. All right. Bye, guys. Fucking bitch. <laughs> That'd be funny if the sign said, Mary Gillespie's daughter's a fucking bitch. <laughs> Sorry, there's a fly. Uh, my ADHD is like honed in on it, and I want to fucking murder it so bad. You want us to bring in one of the studio cats? No, because the cat can't jump that. Well, I mean, cats can jump that high, but I don't want it to land on any of my stuff. We have studio animals. All right, so. <coughs> Sounds Once good, Jeremy's done coughing. <coughs> Can I cough too? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <coughs> 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 I'm... <coughs> Weird cough. <laughs> I'm a sympath. I'm a sympathetic cougher. The more you cough, it makes me want to cough. <laughs> <laughs> he was going. Uh, uh, uh. Was, well, I didn't say he wasn't he making my dick hard. He was, he was moaning. <laughs> That's a Canadian cough, brother. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. My apologies. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> you just sorry. walk. You just walk into a Canadian hospital. It's just. It's just hallways and people just going. Oh. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>